Thankfully, after a couple of nasty crashes in the last few weeks, Felix Rosenquist and Renus VK will be returning to their IndyCar rides in the next round. But you know who won't be returning? Teresa Earnhardt. Congratulations to Ty Norris and the rest of Trackhouse for purchasing Ganassi Racing and with it the last remnants of DEI. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. an intro i think that was more cam just taking a victory lap i'm okay oh, with it. this victory this victory has been 15 years in the making we eat good tonight <laughs> <laughs> by the way check yeah. out daft punk's new single get lucky if you get the chance it's the sound of the summer uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a throwback weekend here hey guys i'm andre harrison by the way welcome to episode 311 of motorsport 101 and uh, all I can say right now is because this is the intro and I can get it in, it might, it might just be coming home for England in the European Oh, well, now, well, I'd say it's on the train. It, it's just gotten on the train. It, it, the, we don't know if the train's going to arrive there yet, but it's on its way home, but it's not arrived yet. It's, it's, we are in the pro, we are in the process of coming home. I trust the process of Gareth Southgate and his beloved, likable band of English footballers. We beat Germany. We're in the quarterfinals. We've got the easiest side of the draw. Surely, surely <laughs> this time we won't blow this one. Although, I must admit, King's face is a, is a treat right now because he knows that story <laughs> ends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all I'm going to say is... If you go in there thinking Ukraine's going to be easy, you're going to end up like Sweden. Look, look, look. I, I, I am well aware of Ukraine's shithousery. We watched it last night on this Discord. 121st minute to knock out the Swedes. I've never seen Andrei Shevchenko that animated on the sidelines. Ukraine legend. Um, and one of the best strikers of all time now coaching that team. It's... Uh, Watch, watch! I'm going to come in next week with with a with like a block of a blueberry pie in my face, saying, "How the hell did we not beat Ukraine?" <laughs> like, <laughs> mark it down. That will be the intro next week if that's what happens. But it might be coming home. Also with us, RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Um, great to be here. You know, when I envision moving in with my partner about half a year ago. And when we decided, you know, ultimately one day down the road, when we at least got our vaccinations from the novel coronavirus, and we're thinking to ourselves, where do we want to go for a first leisure trip? I did not expect rural Ohio to be the destination, mm. which is my way of telling you that by this time next week, I'll have wrapped up a weekend at Mid Ohio for IndyCar. My first time going there. Great. Yeah! Go yeah. on, son. We love this for you, RJ. We love this for you. Although I must admit, that's going to be a hell of a story one day. So, yeah, so RJ, when did you go for your first uh, IndyCar race review? Um, Ohio. Top of the list. <laughs> right, right up on that list, the destinations right there. It could be worse, though. At least it's not Detroit. <laughs> oh, what a throwback. Cam, are you still tap dancing on your intro from earlier? <laughs> I am tap dancing <laughs> all over the room, <laughs> metaphysically, on Teresa Earnhardt, the last nugget of influence of what she did, <laughs> wiped away. I just It is I a beautiful just... day. Ladies and gentlemen, friends of the non-binary, it is a beautiful day. I, I feel like, because maybe a lot of our listeners don't follow NASCAR, but mm. I just have to think, what ungodly, behind-the-scenes bullshit does someone perpetrate to be the actual widow of Dale Earnhardt Sr.? <laughs> to be the face of trying to protect Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s, you know, 
autopsy photos, from being linked to tabloids. You know, Teresa Earnhardt was that person. How much bad shit do you have to do behind the scenes over the subsequent 20 years to be like, everybody is happy to see your influence rid of the sport? It's kind of like how, under old management, England's opponents in the round of 16 did some very bad things in the middle of the 20th century. And most of the world wanted England to lose. That's, that's kind of yep. an indictment on England. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I and, like uh, you know, within, and within two years of, of Dale Senior's passing, yep. trying to uh, trying to shove his son out of the team over a pay dispute, and Ty Norris, the guy who just the guy who you know runs Trackhouse along with Justin Marks and just bought this team, was the one who got caught in the crossfire. Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? And uh, now the last remaining pieces of DEI are back in the right hands. It's amazing. And I haven't even explained how Trackhouse Racing is technically the successor of about what seems like 8,000 different folded NASCAR teams that all I popped counted, up in the I 90s. I think I counted 17 like, different teams are <laughs> wow. melded together into what this is. You know Truly what this is like? Franken-team. It's like It's like if MasterCard Lola bought up Sauber, who bought up Williams, who, owned for, who bought up Ferrari. <laughs> I'm confused. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't blame you. But uh, it's yeah. a good day. Yeah. It is a good day. Also, I, like, I don't normally share the scripts from what we record as episodes, but you know it's not a good sign when RJ had to inject the second line in there of, and I quote, on a long enough timeline, every NASCAR team is owned by Pitbull. <laughs> That's true. The other half, going to be owned by Michael Jordan. And somehow, a bunch of stragglers owned by Rick Rare. Dre, what are we talking about today? <laughs> It's a strange timeline indeed. Um, we'll be talking about the England football team's 2-0 win over Germany in all its glorious glory. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's for our, that's for our sports, uh, our regular sports spinoff, Motorless Sports 1 HD. Lovely. Can't wait. We're taking over from BT. I can't wait. Um, in the meantime, yeah, we'll be talking about the first of the two Formula 1 Grand Prix in Austria, the Styrian Grand Prix. Styrian first this time, Austrian second. Well, if they flip the order around, it's really weird. Yeah, the Styrian Grand Prix this time around. Um, as uh, Max Verstappen, well, beat the brakes off the field, for, for, for lack of a better term. Um, and uh, we'll be talking all about that as uh, Red Bull really did decide to uh, bring it home, in a sense, um, at the Red Bull ring. Uh, we'll be talking about that and some of the interesting news coming out of the Mercedes camp. Um, on that one as well, because Toto uh, might be pulling the plug on the on the Merckx W12 kind of sorta. More of that in a minute. And um, well, we kind of hinted in in the two wheeled world of MotoGP last week that uh, Maverick Vinales' relationship with Yamaha might be untenable at this point. We were more right than we realized. It's he's done in this town um, he's officially. <laughs> he's gone at the end of the season and. Uh, it completely overshadowed everything that happened at the Aston TT. P.S. Fabio Quattararo did win, but no one cared. The best, the, mo- the biggest highlight of that was him practicing his golf swing after the race. Badly. Ah, uh, um, a little more practice is needed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I said Get on Twitter... Get the Meeseeks box. If, 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 if he had... <laughs> Very good. Um, I was going to say, if you wanted to see that, well, Fabio's golf swing after the race, um, just Google Charles Barkley golf swing. It's, it's near enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> you didn't uh, have... I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> but you didn't have to say it. <laughs> Slaughtered it, it's, 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 it's near enough. Like Look, a prime to shambo. He's just... <laughs> Let's just say it wasn't a 350-yard drive. Let's put it to you that way. But uh, we'll be talking all about what the hell happens next for Yamaha, for Maverick, and for everybody else involved in the second half of the show. It's uh, probably the least we will ever talk about two actual Grand Prix on the show. But here we are. It's it's uh, It'll still be a very fun 45 minutes or so. But in the meantime... 
places you can find us. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport101. If you're watching us on YouTube, hi, subscribe, hit the bell, all that good stuff. All episodes, highlights, all that good stuff. Um, we're on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport101. We are on Twitter, Motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to follow the, uh, all of us on our own personal handles, you can. They're on the screen right now. But if you're listening on via audio, they're at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, and at CBuckley917. You can follow us all on there. We're on Instagram at Motorsport101Pod for episode updates and all that fun stuff. On our website, Motorsport101.com. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to all of our audio episodes. You get up to 10 of all the video versions of all those shows as well. And you get access to the Supporters Club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. So, without further ado, let's head to Austria as we talk about the Styrian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen landed what was the most decisive blow of the 2021 season so far with a dominant win on Red Bull's ring. He won from pole, he led every lap, as Hamilton, as Lewis Hamilton could only settle for second at a fastest lap bonus. The championship contenders were way in front of their respective teammates, as Valtteri Bottas held off a two-stopping Sergio Perez by half a second on the final lap for third place. What also shocked people after this race was Mercedes team principal Toto Wolff declaring to Sky and to Austrian television that they were minimizing development on the Mercedes W12, focusing their resources on their 2022 car. Wolf said after the race, quote, It was a very, very tricky decision. We are having new regulations not only for next year, but for years to come, and you've got to choose the right balance. Pretty much everybody is going to be on next year's car. End quote. So, out of this 4 out of 10 Grand Prix, was that the most comprehensive Mercedes Beery? So, out of this 4 out of 10 Grand Prix, was that the most comprehensive Mercedes beating of this turbo hybrid era? With with almost, without a doubt. When we're talking about Max Verstappen literally being a fastest lap away from putting a Grand Slam down on the field. Oh. Yeah. And Grand Slams are hard sure. now, thanks to the purple football. Yeah, gr- Grand Slam, despite this being one of the shortest laps on the calendar. Oh. This was yeah. a beatdown. Mm. Go ahead, Drake. Yeah, I was going to say, like, for, like the Grand Slam as we know it is going to be virtually impossible these days now because of the fact we get points of fastest lap and guys that are the top four are so far ahead that we, we can now see guys like Hamilton take an extra free pit stop and on, on, on a fresher set of tyres and set the fastest lap. So it's, near, it, it's as near as a Grand Slam as we're going to get in this era of Fastest lap being a point. Um, now, it was... Watching this race, it was the first time I can remember, outside of maybe those odd freaky weekends like in Singapore where the car just fundamentally just does not work around this track. Like, besides those, and that's just a Mercedes car problem where, you know, it's damage limitation. This was the first weekend I can remember where Merckx just had absolutely nothing in response to Red Bull. Nothing in qualifying. Verstappen looks like he still had more in the tank in qualifying and still put it on pole. No one really got near him. Bottas was reasonable. Let's say he uh, he didn't need a second lap. He was the no, only guy th- in the 103s. First attack, first attempt got it done. Um, Hamilton genuinely made errors. He had three bites at the cherry and he couldn't get it done. Um... You know, he made errors on his final hot lap, which is again very un-Hamilton like, and then in the race, like, you know, Bono was telling Hamilton basically there's nothing we can do. Like they, they had Carlos Sainz unlap himself against Hamilton's car at one point. Um, which is just something you never see. Someone unlapping themselves against the Mercedes. Um they felt helpless out there, and it showed. RJ, oh, no, yeah. I uh yeah. Uh, I think at this, I, I think like, especially at a track where it's not a street circuit, not something weird like Monaco, where nobody's going to be passing. Like, they just had nothing. It seemed like Verstappen was like a half a second a lap quicker every lap for the whole race. Uh, this was the first time without 
real mitigating circumstances, whether it be on car or strategy. Since, like, Belgium 2018, where I watched Lewis Hamilton drive at and over the limit and be totally helpless. That has happened for a while. When was the last time you saw that? What, like, 2013, first year of the Mercedes experiment? 2011? 2018, when Vettel drag-raced him up the camel and was never seen again. That's Mm. the last time I can think of where there wasn't even, there wasn't a fight. There wasn't an alternate strategy to try. They were just too slow. And Lewis did, Lewis did keep the gap about three seconds for about half of the first stint. Mm -hmm. And eventually the tires just cried enough and Verstappen started driving away. The one thing that Mercedes had over Red Bull and it's gone. They can't even leverage superior race pace anymore. He almost spun it in, in the middle of that first. Yeah. And he, 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 he was over the limit, trying to stay with Max, and the, he just could not do it. Even Hamilton, at the peak of his powers, um, was helpless on this one. And you know it's a sign when even the social media team are like, nope, we didn't have the best car on the day. You know, like, we, we got yeah. nothing. And, and look... Mercs can take one small bit of solace in this. They only lost three points to Rebel and the Constructors. Like, this was... They took every last point they could manage, realistically. No one was touching Max. They got second, they got third, and they got the fastest lap bonus. That was the best they were going to do. And they got it. So yeah. they yeah, got bailed the out because Perez's yeah. slow pit stop dropped him behind Bottas. Bottas wasn't looking things. like... Uh, the, the he wasn't looking <laughs> like passing... Uh, yeah. Mm. Ooh, finally, what a, uh, a a bad pit stop benefits Bottas. Mm. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he was owed one of those, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, and even then, they only got that by the skin of their teeth because they two-stopped Perez, threw him mm. on a set of mediums, and Perez ran him down to within half a second by the final lap. He just ran out yeah. of time. In, like I said, even with Mercs only losing three points to Red Bull, it's one less race to, to close the deficit. And this is a team that won both these races last year. Um, and they've lost well, and this one is a of their team that staple rounds, just like they did last they've week. Been, they've been the runaway quickest car here every year except 2019. Other than that one weird qualifying session where uh, Williams got a pole. Mm. The good old days. <laughs> Feels like it was 20 years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, Red Bull were just... They're too fast everywhere now. There's... Mercedes had their X factors of superior tire wear and a better engine for a few races. Now that Honda has updated their engines and made reliability tweaks, gained them about 14 horsepower and another 10 from new oil. They can add some drag to the car. They can add some downforce to keep their tires going. And Mercedes has nothing left to fight with. When Lewis was the destroyed last, his left front. When was the last time that Red Bull added drag to a car that they yeah, built? Draggy Never. downforce on a Red Bull. <laughs> Not since, like, 2013. Never. Have they been Not able to era. afford that? <laughs> they, were always, they were trying to shave as much of that shit away. It's like the only way we can beat these is if we, if we build a rocket ship of a car in a straight line, and they just couldn't do it. And now they're compromising the other way. They can go the other way now. They have They have breathing room where they can do that. Like I said on Twitter, this weekend felt like the changing of the guard. It, it it felt like, for the first time, maybe in eight years, Mercedes are not the favourites anymore. And that's a weird thing. It's a weird feeling and yeah. it's a weird thing it's to say. It's been swinging. Mm. It's been a pendulum back and forth all year. Sometimes quicker in qualifying. Sometimes the race. Track to track. One car might suit one place, one car might suit another. Mm. Red Bull just blew them into the weeds this week. And, and I can expect more of the same uh, next week, mm. or in a couple of days when we're recording this, because, hey, we're going right back to the same track. I don't expect things to change. And, oh boy, if Mercedes gives up Silverstone, if they give up Silverstone, cancel Christmas. If you, if you designed a track around the Mercedes car, you designed Silverstone. If they lose there, this championship is done, gone, buried. Good night. <laughs> I mean, we, we mentioned it during the French episode. 
last week that Silverstone and France are two pretty much Mercedes staple rounds. They're built to their strengths. If they're losing those two, then I don't know where they're getting this back because Red Bull still got a couple of rounds down the road like Singapore where you're thinking they're definitely winning that. So is Singapore not cancelled? Oh, good Singapore, point. yeah, Singapore. Yeah, no Singapore is, but I don't think it. I don't mm. think it makes a difference because it's not a. It's not a battle of X factor cars like it, like it was in 2017 and 2018 and early mm. on this year. The Red Bull just does everything as good or better than the Mercedes does. Mm. I think the only way they're going to get it back is if Max makes a mistake, which. Fair play to Max, who used to not be able to see past his own nose when it came to his driving, has not put a foot wrong this year, other not than really. an occasional, occasional track limits breach. Yeah, but I mean, looking at like the actual standings, Lewis is not that far behind. Though, no. realistically, if Max were to finish second for every Lewis win, Hamilton would need three wins to get the lead back. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think they're they've got the car capable of going on a one of those just bury the competition round of runs that Mercedes has gone on, like mm. in 2018 where Lewis barely lost the race in the second half of the year. Though, if there's one Verstappen retirement, Hamilton's back in it. He is. That's it. Um, they've got to rely on. Mm. A potential reliability problem, or tripping over a back marker, uh, Schlesser and uh, Senna style. <laughs> I don't know because that opportunity may have already passed, and that was at Baku, and then Brake Magic wiped the whole thing yeah. out. Yeah, that's mm. the thing. Lewis should, if if we're calling all things equally, Max should probably further be further ahead, given what happened in Baku, or Lewis should have taken a twenty-five point swing. Depending yeah. on how you look at it. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, there's, there's an alternate timeline where Hamilton probably still has, like, a 10-point lead right now, which is the crazy thing about this season, is that they've both had, like, if this was Doctor Who, there'd be key moments in time which are now unchangeable that have had major swings on this championship and are only eight rounds in. Um, yeah. But, but that's just it. Baku turned from being a big swing one way to a big swing another to no swing. Other yeah. than the constructors, where Perez did all kinds of damage, and Red Bull continues to just eke out a little further ahead every round. Yeah, sixty-nine lost points. Nice. Not nice from Mercedes to Red Bull in the last four rounds. It's uh, not great, and now, like Toto, essentially admitting that look, we're pretty much pulling the plug on the W twelve, like. Is 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 that a ruse? I mean, I mean, I know that it's not really going to be ending development. I know they've got extra aero time yeah. as well. So I, I I I think it's a bit of an exaggeration in the comments. Is that fair to say? <sighs> I I wouldn't say it's an exaggeration. What I will say is it's a bit of a misnomer because James Allison said after the race there are still parts in the pipeline. It all matter. Okay. It's what's still in the R and D pipeline. Mercedes is done in the wind tunnel with the W12, but there are still parts coming to it. They're just, they, it takes time to manufacture. They need to hope one of those upgrades has a magic five, half, a te, half a second in hand. Yeah, and that's, and F1 upgrades these days just aren't that. Yeah, it's because more like cars are so on the limit. It's more like and that the classic thing, Rolette's four hours of polishing. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I think that applies to both teams. I think anything we see added to the Red Bull or the Mercedes going forward is something that's already out of the R&D pipeline and is kind of back-ordered in manufacturing. And if that's the case, then I don't see how they... Jeez, Verstappen could run the rest of the year if he gets really lucky. There's a chance. 13 wins is doable. We've got 14 races left in the season, and Verstappen is already, He's already four got four. wins in. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's doable given the form book up to this point. And if you consider Baku is already one of F1's token two or three batshit insane races per year, mm. we've already got one out of the way. Yeah. And uh, Red Bull won that one anyways. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. 
I was too busy flinging my my Aston Martin shirt in the air to realize. <laughs> God, that was that was part of the batshit quota. God damn it! Um, <laughs> we had a that, we had a podium of Perez, Vettel, and Gasly. There's still time for an Esteban Ocon win at Monza because why not at this point? Because, why not at this point? Well, honestly, because King doesn't want to take a blueberry pie to the face. Fair. I, I, I wouldn't want that shit either. Look, I want... It, it's... Yeah, go on, go on, go on, Andre. Well, uh, I'll let you finish this point, Dre, and then I'm... No, no, I was just going to say, look, forgive us if the last 20 minutes have sucked the fun out of what's genuinely been a very good F1 season to this point, but this is one of those rounds where it just, like, the wind just went completely out of our sails when you weigh up everything that's, that's yeah. gone now like in this, Mercedes... this weekend. Mercedes wards could hold up to this point, and this is where it feels like they kind of buckled. Yeah. We, we've now hit the point where, like, Max Verstappen isn't even getting close to winning driver of the day. We're past the point where Formula One races get an extra two to three points on the rate the race rating just because Hamilton didn't win. <laughs> Pretty much. If, if, we, if you're wondering how much the balance of power has shifted... Congratulations, Verstappen. You are no longer the Boston Red Sox. You are the New York Yankees. I, 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 I don't know. I, this I, year, I, I think I he preferred the pain in King's eyes. <laughs> I'd say th- this year. This year, I'd say that uh, Red Bull would rather be the Red Sox. Sorry, mm. King. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's... On the subject of uh, of, un- of midfield. We got to talk about Lando Norris, who is having a driver of the year candidate season so far. Did you know that in these races so far this season, he's only finished outside the top five once? In fact, in his last 11 races, he's finished in the top five on nine occasions. He's fourth in the driver's championship, sandwiched just between Sergio Perez and Valtteri Bottas. Terry Buttass, as we like to call him. So, folks, Lando Norris. Driver of the year so far, pound for pound? Yeah. Uh, I've got a tie. And I know that's a cop-out, but I've got a tie between him, who is just getting everything there is to, for that McLaren to give and making Daniel Ricardo look like a scrub. And the guy who put his car sixth on the grid and then got sniped by Charles Leclerc out of turn one. Sorry, Pierre. Yeah, how those, those two are so far clear of everyone else in the midfield over the last few races, just in terms of getting the most out of what they've got. Yeah, mm. Lando's just, been really good this year. Lando's been excellent. I wouldn't be surprised if if we want to talk about shit house victories. If Lando does win a race this year, I wouldn't even consider it a shit house. No. I would say if uh, if a Mercedes if the both teams falter. Lando is usually 20, 30 seconds up the field from the rest of the midfield. It's like I've never seen a, a more perfect, best of the rest guy in the state of F1 right now than Mr. Fifth Place, Lando Norris. Because of the, 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 it's still a disjointed grid where the top two are still so much better than the field right now, but Norris has not put a foot wrong pretty much all year long. He has been superb. And I've said it before, it's, I feel a little bit bad for him. He still had a f- tremendously privileged seat when he first got into F1, but he had to deal with Leclerc and Verstappen right behind him in the pipeline, getting stupid good opportunities within a year and a half of being in Formula 1. And Norris has still had to kind of make, it, make his own little shine. But... I said before the year started that this was going to be the big test for Norris this year because he's got, you know, Daniel Ricciardo directly alongside him, a guy that I think... A driver of the year candidate from last year. Yeah, and a guy that I think is a top five driver in the sport and probably has been for three or four years already, and he's seal clubbing him. Um, Everything you heard about... Every swing argument you've heard about Lando Norris is true. This kid is the real friggin' deal. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for the re-signing that he had at McLaren earlier in the year, I'd be saying if Merckx wanted to replace Valtteri with someone else, that's the number one guy on my list. 
that would cause some uh, some turmoil in that team. Look, uh, Lando is so far clear of his teammate right now, who is really the last of the crew of of people who've switched up teams, who's yet to yeah. adapt to their car. That it's making people question how good Daniel Ricardo really is, and we know he's damn good. Yeah, that's just the level Lando's operating at, and. As you said, if the top two teams falter, he is so far clear of everyone else, unless Ferrari has one of their random weekends where the DNA of that car doesn't shine through and they're fighting for podiums. Mm. Lando's so far clear of the field. He held off Perez for a few laps until he ran his battery out of juice and got drag raced. Mm. (laughs) The fact that he was even able to hold off a Red Bull and a Mercedes Bottas behind him speaks to how well he's driving. Lando has 86 out of, out of McLaren's 120 points after eight rounds of season. Jesus! Lando Norris is single-handedly carrying McLaren above Ferrari. Yeah. And Lando's the one who came into the, you know, a lot in a lot of circles, he came into the sport with people thinking, well, he's he's not the best driver to come out of that class. He's just the one who got the best opportunity. Mm. I don't know about all that. I don't know about that because it was kind of just this weird circumstance. Like Norris is the one standing still after George gets a trial run in a Mercedes and does well. Leclerc and Verstappen get big money deals and establish big power teams, or at least big teams in name. And Norris is just out there just trying to learn his craft. And people kind of forgot that, oh yeah, he's one of the most high prospects that's come along to Formula One in a long time. And the kids love him. Kids love them. Um, yeah, like, it's... I, I said it towards the end of last year. I was like, dude, he's pretty much running Carlos Sainz 50-50 at this point. And, like, that wasn't enough yeah. for some people in his second season in Formula 1. Like, yeah. Carlos, hey, Carlos he's won yeah. our Driver of the Year award twice on this show. Carlos uh, Sainz is giving Charles Leclerc more than thing. he could have ever bargained for at Ferrari when we all thought he was just there, going to be there to be Spanish Rubens Barrichello. Uh, well, I was well wrong. that's the thing. <laughs> He 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 did go there to be Mick Schumacher's seat warmer, and then he took the seat for himself because he is whipping Charles Leclerc right now, <laughs> beating him. It's fifty-eight fifty on the points, but you know Leclerc's been looking a little bit rough around the edges. When we say this is the most shit house driver of the day award, it's just like you know, it's like how. The Miami Marlins last year were not cool because of the circumstance of why they won with a bunch of nobodies, just like Charles Leclerc was not cool last weekend for why he ended up having to fight his way back through the field after taking out three cars. And I love me some Chuck, but my dude, what the fuck? Yes, but the biggest thing with signs is that he's beating Charles over one lap. One lap God, Charles Leclerc is Mm. losing a a, a qualifying battle Mm. in the last Mm. few races. And, uh, ooh, if you're Ferrari and you want to promote Mick in a couple years, do you want to boot the guy who's beaten Can't your five-year contract prospect? Can't do mm. it. There's no room at the end. Carlos is too good to drop. Like, yeah. you, you extend that man and you extend him tomorrow, which is annoying to admit because it's Carlos signs, but the man's doing a damn good job. And Lando Norris... Yeah, probably driver of the year so far for me. Um, like he, he is doing. Carlos signs. You buy Carlos signs a CRT with that money, and we're not talking about an old television <laughs> monitor the kids used to buy <laughs> to play Super Smash Brothers. No, and then you give him whatever he asked for in his Ferrari contract. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> as a side note, the side note to wrap things up. What did George Russell do in a past life to deserve this? Oh. oh, running! It was it was the performance. He was running Athon Merit. That was the one in a in a massive DRS train. This was the one to find the race because there was no on track action until Charles came through the field on fresh tires. And the pneumatic valve system, which of course is the air system that works the valves in the engine, developed a leak. And pneumatic leaks typically don't get better. They get worse. And he had to retire. 
to save the power unit. I think those first points with Williams are coming. He's still undefeated at head qualif- head qualifying results of Williams. I, I, I think that first point's coming. I don't know if it's coming next I, week in Austria. I don't think so. What is 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 a meteor shower going to hit his car next week? <laughs> it, I wouldn't put it past him at this point. I mean, what else could go wrong for him at this at this juncture? Like he, the, the man suffered enough. Look, racing gods, give him his points, okay? They, he's yeah, earned it. Just, just just a crumb of Formula One World Championship. I'm, I'm already I'm already getting sick and tired of George Ultras throwing Williams under the bus. And maybe this is just like you know. I get that Williams has done a lot more than other backmarker teams of years past. I just, when I was rooting for Jules when he was at Marussia, I never once thought, you know, damn, Marussia really sucks. They're letting this dude down. I was just happy for the results that he could get. Maybe that's just me, though. But I have a a feeling that those points are coming and that the luck is, the the luck's going to balance out at some point. Whether before or after they inevitably announce him replacing uh, Valtteri and Mercedes. Or maybe they don't. Who knows? Speaking of replacements, we're going to go to the two-wheeled wall because uh, there'll be some of those coming up very, very soon. Aston TT and, shall we say, the weekend that was forgotten because uh, Maverick by name, Maverick by nature. Yeah, Fabio Quattararo's fourth win of 2021 was completely overshadowed by the headline drama of Maverick Vinales announcing on Monday morning that he will be breaking his contract with Yamaha at the end of the season. With the racist Simon Patterson reporting yesterday that a deal with Aprilia for 2022 has already been agreed. There was a couple of quotes in the press release um, regarding this on Monday night. Maverick saying, quote, This partnership has been very significant to me over the last five years, and it proved a difficult decision to part ways. We experienced great achievements and tough times. The underlying feeling is of mutual respect and appreciation. (laughs) I am fully committed and will strive to achieve the best results for the rest of the year. Uh, And, of course, the managing director of the team, Lynn Jarvis, said, quote, It is with sadness that we will will say farewell to Maverick at the end of the season. After the German Grand Prix, which was the most difficult weekend of our partnership, we had important discussions in Assen and came to the conclusion that it would be in the best interest of both parties to go our separate ways in the future. Apparently, Maverick is leaving maybe as much as 10 million euros on the table. To break Damn. this deal. Um, Damn. I wish money. I had 10 million euros on the table right now. That could be done so much. Please. Big, please. big money, apparently. 10 million, so, 10 million euros. So, gentlemen, how surprised were you when this first dropped? After Maverick's initial comments the the in the days leading up to Asset, because if I recall, he gave a uh, pretty hands, a thorough hands-on interview with uh, Mr. Patterson, where he pretty much just laid out all his frustrations with Yamaha, and that was the moment I know, yeah, this is not lasting past the end of this season. That was not a huge surprise. I was just waiting for the announcement to inevitably drop. Yeah, when he talks about a feeling of mutual respect when leaving, that's a very different tune from the quote, I feel a lack of respect within the team. Literally last about week. About a week ago. Yeah, a Liter- week ago. Literally last week. <laughs> um, I'm not surprised, but I'm disappointed that a very talented organization and a very talented rider couldn't make it work. Because if nothing else, Maverick Vinales is talented. That that's that's never ever been the problem with Maverick, and and as as you said, Cam, it's like the man was lying through his teeth when he said it was a, a feeling of mutual respect because this the last week and a half is not a total surprise to anyone that's followed Maverick's time at Yamaha. This has been building up for probably two or three years now, where. He sacked crew chiefs. He's he's been like, David Emmett described it as a reaction between he was only happy when he was winning, and he wasn't winning all that often, to be honest with you. And then 
His other yeah. emotions being something between frustration and miserable was how David Emmett described it, which uh, is uh, not great to say the least. Um, I if didn't... you're in a if you're in a relationship, the two strongest emotions that you have, you don't want them to be frustration and misery. No. <laughs> yeah. Then you and just that's... sound like one of those cliched married couples who just hate each other all the time. That's kind of how this played out over the last mm. couple months, and you know, it was he had the excuse when Yamaha wasn't winning, when they were getting clubbed into submission every weekend by mm. some dude being rep by Dre. I can't remember his number. Yeah. But, uh... 46. When your teammate is winning races at a canter, you, you, it leaves you nowhere to hide. TT Acid. Maverick Vinales got pulled this past weekend, and surely I'm thinking, okay, this is the weekend where he wins Acid and then announces he's going to break things off, and then he doesn't get a good start and ends up having to settle for second place. Talk, second? That might be the most awkward podium since Malaysia 2013 in F1. <sighs> it was frosty. And again, shout out to our man Lewis for putting that gif on social media. I'm sure you'll know which one I'm talking about when I say this. The one where Fabio is leaping over the COVID barricade to hug it out of his Yamaha mechanics while Maverick is just sitting there on the sideline, drink, drink like this, just sipping like that. This is all good. While Fabio is leaping <laughs> over the barricade to go celebrate with Yamaha, and I'm like, that is a shot right there. That is that, that is That is this year's Yamaha factory team in a single image. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Fabio's uh, the real deal, and Maverick Vinales, this relationship has not worked out ever since, like, the first few weeks of 2017. Because think about the first it, Maverick when was we the thought Marquee. he was he was the Marquez stopper. He beat Mark in three head-to-head fights, and clearly Mark took it personally because he never looked like being beaten like that by Mav again, and it just hasn't worked. And before we get into the the a prettier side of things for now. I mean, I I think it would be harsh to suggest that this is all on Maverick because Yamaha have hey, had some rough times of their own in the last half decade. Um, it's not just Maverick. Everybody at Yamaha has struggled. Yeah, for the we're last not too far removed from the time where a Yamaha rider is better off riding your old equipment. Mm. Yeah, that was last year. And uh... yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Honda has famously alienated quite a few riders by being stuck in their own ways. Yeah. Hmm? What? Some, um, uh, some, some, some dude who wears yellow being the, definitely mm. the biggest example. Mm. But over the last three or four years, in the post-Lorenzo era, and even at the start, as things began to falter... Yamaha has not been able to maintain professional relationships between themselves and their riders and their riders with each other. It seems that it's only it only ever works there when they're winning. And they've not been winning anywhere near enough to plague some of the concerns. The only real time that stopped was last year. Last year's COVID shortened season despite Yamaha winning nearly half the races that year, it was still a mess because they didn't have one bona fide contender uh, all the way through the year. Fabio looked good at the start and then completely blew it at the end. Maverick only won one Grand Prix. Frankie Morbidelli came out of nowhere, but didn't. he just came up short towards the end of the season. Like, none of them could put together a sustained challenge, despite the fact... They won 50% of the races that season, and they would have won the Manufacturers' Championship if it wasn't for the fact they cheated in Harath. Not a damn thing to show for all that effort. And even, you know, you go back to 2015 when, of course you're going to have problems when two riders are in, in your team are fighting for the championship together. 
they let that professional relationship get to the point where they were accusing each other of awful shit. They celebrated the guy who ended up actually winning the title as if it were a race win and not a championship. <laughs> and it got so bad the next year that even with the definitive best bike in the field, they lost the championship with rounds to spare. And they've been searching for a Lorenzo replacement since then. Because everything that people complained about Jorge being, Maverick is that times ten. If yeah. he can't get out there and get into a rhythm, he's not just slow, he's one of the worst riders in the field. I'll when in reality, he's one of the fastest riders yeah. in the field. I'll, I'll do you one better and, and crib off something that you told me off the podcast. Maverick Vinales was, is everything that people used to say Sebastian Vettel was when he was at Red Bull, when they didn't want to give him credit for any of his accomplishments. Maverick Vinales is what everybody says Valtteri Botas is now. Pretty much. And I mean, going forward, they kept Valentino on a factory bike well past his sell-by date. He's still on a factory bike. Meanwhile, Frankie Morbidelli, get well soon, is rotting mm. on a two-year-old piece of equipment. And the, the atmosphere within the team that Maverick thought would change, that Valentino was gone, well, now it's just hit him because Fabio's doing fine. Mm. It's Fabio's team now. This is the, the, it is. Yeah, this is... This, that, this Even before this announcement, that was pretty much done and dusted. Like at the start of the season, I had a feeling this was going to be fabulous. Yeah, to yeah start of the year. Start of the year with them trading wins, it felt like it could go either way or that they could, you know, mm. co-develop this team going forward. And since then, it's all been Fabio. So, Maverick's future. I mean, it's, it's not official-official, but every major prominent journal in the game has pretty much said that within hours of Maverick announcing his break or Maverick negotiating his break off of the contract, he'd signed with Aprilia for 2022. What do we make of that move? Hey, it's an old Suzuki lineup reunion of mm. Alicia Spargaro and Ma Maverick Vinales. Oh, boy! <laughs> Didn't they kind of not get along back at, their, back at the end of their Suzuki relationship? No. Oh, no, boy! They really didn't get along, and uh, by all accounts, that seemed to be more on Maverick's side, considering what we've heard since. And it's not even a certainty that it's going to be like the last time in Suzuki, because Aleish is really squeezing everything he can out of that Prilia, which, of course, is going to be under completely no ownership, because it's not going to be run Greg by Crescini anymore. Yeah, it's going to be a true uh, in-house factory team from next year going forward. Wild! Mm. I don't know what to expect because I don't know what to expect out of Aprilia, given that they've been the biggest joke in the field for the whole time they've been there. And then this year, they're actually pretty good. They're kind of yeah. mid. Only Lorenzo Savadori like, is holding end. them back. Yeah, if they had a second, a second real top-tier rider on that bike, they could be fighting for podiums. And Can Maverick be that guy? Yeah. Which is a weird thing to... It's a weird thing to ask if Maverick is that dude, the third winningest premier class driver that's active on the grid. I realize that some people are going to make a... throw a fucking fit about me saying the word winning. It's, it's whatever. <laughs> I know it's yeah, not... Yeah, but you're not wrong. You're no, not wrong. No, since, since he debuted in the top flight, only Marquez and Davizioso have won more races than him. Um... And I, I, I wrote a piece about this, which it might be out by the time this episode goes out, I'm not sure. But, like, the good news is for Maverick, he's, he's won nine races in seven years. The bad news is, is he's won nine races in seven years. Like, hello! Like, like the, the man is such an immense talent that that actually is kind of underwhelming for a guy of Maverick's talent. I'll say this much, a prettier is a mess. Aprilia's factory guys and their factory management has been a mess since they came back. They we don't know what to expect out of them on a week to week basis, let alone no. year to year. No, look, they last year they drove out Bradley Smith with three rounds to go in the championship, and everybody was like, "Huh, what?" For, for Lorenzo Savadori, who might be the worst rider in the field right now, um, pound for pound. I don't think it's 
I don't think it's a might be. No, you know. I don't know. I don't know because if you take away all of Valentino Rossi's past accomplishments, all of a sudden he's looking a little bit Ponsonian out there. Yeah. Yeah, point is, though, is that they've done that. They've broken off contracts with people twice since coming back. Sam Lowe's been the other major victim of that. And he made me feel bad for Sam Lowe's. And that says a lot about how a pretty about, or badly uh, mismanaged the situation. They've. What about Redding? Uh, Redding saying you can only polish a turd so much. Yeah. After one race. Scott Redding, a guy that probably should have had a world title when he was in Moto 2. They stood by Andrea Rianoni despite the fact he lied about the fact he was doping the entire time he was with them and tried to use tainted meat as an excuse for um, being on performance-enhancing drugs. I pretty much stood by that, dude. All the way to, to the fact he went to the court of arbitration for sports. Aprilia are a mess, and they are about to sign the biggest egomaniac in bike racing, which for they're, they're bike racing takes some doing. Like they're a mess that are about to sign the biggest mess. I think I don't think it's controversial to say Maverick Vinales as a rider is the biggest mess in MotoGP because he is phenomenally talented, sure. one of the most talented rider riders on the grid. And the rest of his game is non-existent. His bag of tricks has air in it. Mm. Yeah. Like Swiss cheese. Um, so, I hate that for him. Because when he's good, he's really good. But when he's that good, window he is, is so tiny. When he is good, he's the only guy on raw, outright speed who can give Mark Marquez a run for his money. When healthy. But, but Cam, it's, it's kind of like, you know, how the Honda S2000 has so much potential... Maverick Vinales is the Honda S2000. Of the, of the <laughs> no, he is... No. <laughs> Don't you ever disrespect the S2000 like that around me again. Potential. No, he is... He is... The Mercedes W12 around Monaco of mm. MotoGP. Mm. You, no. you might be good... You, you know, you might be fast, but if you can't use it, what's the point? Yeah. Mm. Uh, King, King, what do you reckon then, real quick? And uh, I'll ask you first, actually, as well. Does the Yamaha make keep this simple? Do they bring up Frankie? I I don't know. Like what he's gonna he's gonna get a current bike next season. Like you'd think. Why? why yeah. promote... We had like between uh, all of us in our Discord server, we had, like, a four-hour open discussion on what does Yamaha do. <laughs> yeah, we, we, um, it, it's like that It's like that gif of the guy that's going through, like, the spider diagram thinking, what could it mean? Boy, what could it all mean? The numbers, Mason, what do they mean? The problem with bringing up Frankie, if they even do anything with Frankie, is that Frankie's pissed at Yamaha, too. Yeah. Because yeah. he's stuck on two-year-old equipment having to ride at a superhuman level to get any lap time out of it. He's the, effectively the, lost a year out of his career. The, the blessing for Yamaha in this case is that there's nowhere better for Frankie to go because yeah. most of the seats on yep. the table are already tied down. In fact, there is only one factory seat left in the sport for next year that's not been confirmed, and that's the one that Maverick's probably about to take. So... Like there, Frankie may not have a choice in the matter because I don't because it's so late in. Like for MotoGP context, we'd already have like Wait. half of the grid announced by now, and last year was the really manic super season, and most MotoGP contracts are two year cycles. So, like, there's not a lot of areas for Frankie to go. Yeah, and but it, but then Yamaha be, knows that too, and what do they? It feels like there's no pleasing him in this current situation because they don't really... Ha he ha is really out of options, and they're kind of out of options, unless yeah. they want to go throw a whole tub of money at Andrea De Vizioso and hope that he wants more than just a testing contract. And if I'm going to so, I'm just taking the easy money with that testing contract. I agree with Brother Ryan. I think... Yamaha are going to apologize profusely to the camp Frank and Morbidelli. They're going to say, we're sorry, we're sorry, we thought that putting you on a two-year-old bike was actually a good move because it worked out the last time. 
Here is a 2022 spec bike and a factory contract. Please forgive and us. And you know what? And you know what they should because last year he was their best rider because he was the only one who wasn't throwing the bike up the road every other session. If he didn't start and the season in a hole, he would probably have at least. If Yamaha didn't cheat, yeah. like if this. Yamaha didn't cheat, make it rain. He's gonna make it, make rain. it rain. And but they the should as well because do. Frankie, Frankie Morbidelli is a damn good rider, and yes. it's ridiculous to me that Yamaha more or less told him without telling him that he's not in their future plans by leaving him on two-year-old equipment while everyone else got factory bikes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be a very sheepish conversation in Yamaha's camp. I think they will promote Frankie up, and they'll just say, look, Frankie! Hi, old buddy, old pal, how's it going? Look, we're really sorry about that whole line to you saying we couldn't give you a recent bike because of COVID thing. Do you, you mind if we give you Which one was now? total... And- Total Steaming bullshit. 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 They, they were hedging their bets and they knew it. Point is, Frankie, like, we'll give you like six million a year. Like, let's let bygones be bygones. And I, I think that's what will happen. Which honestly, I feel kind of bad for SRT because uh, they went from having the best rider lineup in the field last year to um, probably well, need two new riders. Because yeah, because yeah. uh, by all accounts, Valentino's probably done. If mm-hmm. he isn't done at the end of this year, he's certainly done in terms of being competitive. It, Father Time is undefeated, after all. What are you yeah, talking man. about? It's going to be a new chapter in the GTAM class, or the GT3AM class of Black. <laughs> I say, what what GT class? We don't even know what's going on with WEC right now. The GT4 yeah, um, class. Yeah, the, the, the VR46 team was finally officially announced last week. Um, apparently, uh, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia is allegedly begging Valentino to go join that team next year, ride with the 46 brand under the 46 umbrella and get all that advertising money in. And Valley's like, I don't really want to do it. Uh, <laughs> like, it's, 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 it's such a strange do you, situation. Do you realize what happened the last time I rode, I rode a Ducati? <laughs> yeah. It's, my it's, ambition outweighed my talent. Yeah, oof. Um, it, it's a really, really strange situation where Valley, I don't think, really wants to ride anymore, and like the new team is like, please, please, we know we, we're not going to make money off Luca Marini being our headlining rider. Like it's, it's really. Well, strange. But have you considered telling everyone you know that he's Valentino Rossi's half brother? No. It's all we've got. I, I, I hope it's not a case of well, RJ. I think you might be familiar. Uh, the rumors that came out the first time that WWE went to Saudi Arabia and some of the Saudi royals who invested uh, in the event going to Saudi Arabia like were wrestling fans back in the day and had some expectations of who they wanted on the card without realizing that some of the wrestlers that they wanted were uh, no longer with us. deceased? Oh, jeez. I I think I remember this now, where they were, like, asking for dudes from, like, the late 80s, early 90s, like, friggin', they wanted, like, Yokozuna on the card or something? Yeah. Oh. Yokozuna's great. I didn't know that. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, like, I think this might be a case of People like, oh, we're gonna get Valentino Rossi on a factory on on a fact. Well, Let's put him on, on a team part owned by us without realizing. Hey, Rossi's near the end of his career, guys. I don't it, it, think it's he's been gonna... a few years. <laughs> yeah, like, Rossi is just about finished as a GP rider at this point. Like he, he is not good. But like I said, like I said, they are begging Rossi to ride for that team, and Rossi is not keen. Like he's. He said himself before the break, it's going to be very difficult for me to continue riding. He's going to give it a good old think over this now five-week summer break we've got for MotoGP um, before they re-race again in Austria in July. Um, he's basically saying, I'm not keen, Chief, so it's looking like it's probably going to be Luca Marini and Marco Bezzecchi on that VR46 team next year. Fine. Yeah. It's a fine lineup. We're getting a lot of call-ups from Moto2, it looks like. We're getting Remy Gardner, Fabio Antonio, Ralph Fernandez is pretty much a done deal at this point, even though it's not official. I'm going to say KTM with the war chest of talent. 
Which, which, which is amazing because, and, and King's probably going to be sweating a little bit about this. Raul Fernandez, who, by the way, had a brilliant Moto2 win at Aston this past weekend. You should go out of your way to see it. Um, went from first to ninth and back to first again. Um, it's like KTM are about to announce, yeah, he's coming up to Tech 3 next year alongside Remy Gardner. And Raul was like, I think I'm actually going to stay in Moto2 next year. And I'm just like, hang on a minute. <laughs> Some invitation got lost in the post somewhere because uh, those are two different stories. And another little story that came out in Patterson's post for the for the redacted that, quote, apparently KTM offered Yamaha <laughs> Raul Fernandez's contract at a cheap 500,000 euros earlier on in the season. And Yamaha please, said please. no. <sighs> Please take him off our hands. <laughs> they How does like... Yamaha feel right now? I want Lynn Jarvis to walk into Pit Bearer's office and like, so Pit, buddy, um, <clears throat> is, is is that offer still on the table? And Pit like, well, about that. I think his value just went up. I, I think we I think we need like another zero on that check look, <laughs> because, uh... look Alex um, remember what I said about you and your brother after Sepang 2015 I didn't mean that we need somebody to lead SRT next season you, you, mean, you, mean, <laughs> you, you mean that pledge where he said he would never sign a Marquez brother ever again <clears throat> that's okay he might want to because uh, Mark Marquez had one of the scariest crashes I think I've ever seen him have, which is saying something. Mm -hmm. When the bike uh, high-sided him heavenward. Yep. Uh, and then uh, ended up last and tore through the field to P7. Mark's yeah. so good. Right now, uh, Fabio Quadraro is looking like Kenny Roberts Jr. in 2000. He's like, you better win right now or else. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the there's a storm the, coming. There's a sh yeah. shades of the old Marquez coming through here, just a little bit after last week. And uh, yeah, Yamaha are going to be in a mess trying to get their ducks in a row because, up like right now, the most likely option that SRT promotes up is Jake Dixon, the man who I think is 21st in the Moto2 Championship right now. He's having He's a British. terrible, <laughs> terrible, no good, and very bad year. Yeah, uh, good. Good luck having to figure that one. Let's just say there's going to be a lot of contract talks over the over the next few weeks during this summer break because Aaron Cannett was one of the names mentioned, and he's now off the table because he's going to Ponds in Moto Two next year on a two year deal with a Moto GP break clause thrown yeah, in there remember, as well. <clears throat> remember Ponds in Moto GP? That that was a thing. Wow. For, for good a old days. Uh, the good old days. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of contract talks going around. And I, honestly, we have a lot of bike dudes in, on this server. We have a lot of guys that are pretty plugged into motorsport. And we are all sitting here scratching our heads thinking <laughs> none of us can figure this out. It is a very, very strange situation. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see how this goes down. But, uh, yeah. We're, yeah. Oh. We're, in a, we're in an awkward situation mm. of having perhaps the best perhaps a seat open in the best team in the sport. Mm -hmm. And everyone who might get the seat is already spoken for. It's a very strange... It might be an Ikela Kwona-like situation at KTM a couple of years ago. I was like, well, he's the best guy available. <laughs> you know, Ikela, well, come on down. You know, we'll give you a two-year deal and see how this works out. Danilo, buddy, good to see you. <laughs> Danilo, you, you how's the knee? You can uh, actually do worse than Vinamil Petrucci if he oh, wants gotcha. to come back to Moto2. But, uh, yeah, good luck figuring that one out. All I know is that KTM with Ralf and Enders are looking real smug right now. So, King, you, you, you can grin right now knowing you've got, like, the, the two best Moto2 prospects there on the is. board. Uh, I'll get to it after the show, but I, I'm sweating a lot right now. <laughs> <laughs> are you sweating more than the director of Alpine's Academy, their junior formula academy, thinking, damn, oh, we, should, we should try some of this. Yo, yo, Ferrari, you want Guan Yu Zhou back? Ooh. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Because, uh, yeah, we'll, like, it's going to be fascinating to watch over the summer over the summer break. And we'll break some of that down when MotoGP returns at the end of July. It makes me sad. We've got the MotoGP's oh. longest ever summer break. They'll be back at the end of July. Ironically, we're Formula 1's racing this weekend at the Red Bull Ring. So more of that this weekend as well. We'll be with the Austrian Grand Prix. 
They're going one stage softer on the tyres. It might do some things. It probably won't do some things. We'll have to wait and see um, how they go on that. We'll have, we also got IndyCar this weekend at Mid-Ohio as well. Um, good to hear that the, uh, our, our injured comrades, Renus VK and Felix Rosenquist, will both be back for that one. And um, Santino Fruit, he's coming back as well. Yay, good for him. Anyway... <laughs> Rich guy has money. Next. But uh, we'll be talking all about that on next week's show. Places you can find this in the meantime. Again, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. Twitter and motorsport underscore 101. And uh, personal handles at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, and at CBuckley917. Um, again, our website, motorsport101.com. Uh, and you can follow us on Patreon and back us there as well if you like. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Um, $5 gets you early access to all our audio shows. Um, Cameron's blog approves. You probably won't hear that in the post edit, but I thought it was funny anyway. Um, 10 bucks gets you the video versions and the supporters come on our Discord server. <laughs> um, Making sure these shows live as they're being recorded. Thanks everyone for tuning in on the YouTube chat as well. Much appreciated. We'll be back next week for the Austrian Grand Prix and IndyCar in Mid-Ohio and any other shocking MotoGP news if anything else drops, because uh, that could be a very interesting summer indeed. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison, they've been RJ O'Connell, Cam Buckley, and Ryan Eric King, and until next time, come on England! Come on! It's coming home, damn it! It's coming home! Let's go! Later, y'all! <laughs> Bye! Pitbull's doing it for Dale. Hopefully this episode comes out in time, and I'm not affected by the massive citywide blackout. <laughs> <laughs> yes.